City Takers, it's more than a ministry, it's a mindset. And when you have the mindset of a city taker, like you can go anywhere. It's who you are, it's not what you do. Yeah. Right? It's who you are, not what you do. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Iris Global Green Room podcast. I'm here with my buddy Scott Free. Scott, are you ready? I'm ready, man. Gosh, I'm you, super hype about being here. Don't hype. Hype. Can Gosh. I use that word here? You can use whatever you want. Well, <laughs> you get it. I know. Uh, I'm with my buddy Scott Free. Uh, Scott is leader, pastor of City Takers. Takers. Gosh, I yeah. almost said City Quakers, but that's not it's it. Not the Quaker movement. No. no. City Takers. City movement. Takers. And you also yeah. run. We have crossover church, crossover ATL. church, yeah, yeah, in yeah, Atlanta. We planted a church, but we we have multiple missional churches. Come on, in Atlanta, we're gonna get into it. You're gonna learn all about this man, but I want you to uh, not just put this one on fast forward, right? Don't just skip through. You're gonna want to listen to all this, Scott. The, you're the first guy I've ever flown out to do a podcast. Okay, mm. do you? I don't know right. if you know how what what that means. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, you've had some pretty big, big names here. Yeah, but I won't fly. Nobody, wow. Okay. Wow. They come to me. I I'm had humbled. to get you to come to me. I'm humbled. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> he didn't ask for it. I, I really wanted to bring you out here and I really wanted to get you on mm. uh, because there's few people I think that are doing what you and your wife and your team are doing. And I think it's so important uh, that these guys get to see what another missional movement looks like here yeah. in America. Yeah. I think a lot of times when people think missions, they think yeah. international. 100%. But what you're doing, I think, is so pivotal. Pivotal, And I think it's so, uh, it's so timely. So we're going to get into it. But I want you guys, you know the drill. Do us a favor. Like, hit like, hit subscribe, share this. Even stick a comment in. It doesn't even have to be a big one. But don't put, somebody made a comment that I looked like a Viking. Dang, you know what? I just, I mean, their, their bar on Vikings is pretty low. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I've never met a soft, a flabby Viking before, <laughs> but anyway, stick a comment in there. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to have fun I like today. Vikings. I do too. I think they're fire. Uh, do you? Yeah. I like them. Are you part Viking? They're warriors. You're Viking, right? I mean, I, I would like to think so. It, what, in the streets, I'm a Viking. You, you are? Yes. Talk, talk to me about the streets. The streets? Yeah. I'm from the, the mean streets of <laughs> Gloucester, Massachusetts. Well, for me, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. And okay. the cool thing about Miami is kind of a melting pot. Um, you know, being a white man in Miami in high school, I was a minority, but didn't know it. <laughs> Does that make sense? No. And not to yeah, me. Yeah, it doesn't make <laughs> sense. But in Miami, like, my best friend was Haitian. Yeah. My other best friend was Cuban. My other, you know what I mean? It was literally a melting pot of people. And I grew up being discipled by, you know, Wu-Tang Clan and mm -hmm. all these guys. You know, does mm -hmm. that make sense? Dude, it makes Grew sense. Grew up in the hip-hop culture and wanted to be like the people I was, you know, following. Yeah. And the crazy part about it is when I was about 12 years old in my neighborhood in Miami, a bus ministry used to come by my neighborhood. And, you know, and what I know now is a bus ministry. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a bus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he used to pick up a bunch of kids with skateboards in their hands. And I remember rolling over there one Friday night. And I'm like, where y'all going? They're like, we're going to a skate park. Get in. So I get in this bus on a Friday night at 6 o'clock. This is before cell phones. Okay. So, you know what I mean? I get in this bus. And I realize I forgot to tell my mom where I was going. <laughs> Grew up in a broken home. 
And I remember for the first time going to this church, and I was like, man, these guys, you know what I mean? They lied to me. They said a skate park. Yeah. But but we rolled in, and there was a bunch of ramps. It was a tiny little church in Miami, Florida, called Sunset Chapel Assemblies of God. Yeah. And it was this thing called Friday Night Rap. They were playing rap music, and they had skate ramps and basketball court. And it must have been five, 600 kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. And from there, I started DJing, started getting involved in in, in rap music, hip-hop music, which, yeah. which came the lifestyle of that. Okay. The lifestyle of the streets, the lifestyle of, you know what I mean? Like glorifying everything that is of the world. Yep. So in high school, I was doing parties, clubs, you name it, man. So I was, I was all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward, getting in trouble, you know, in and out of jail as an adult, young adult, get sent to a program called Job Corps. Okay. All right. Home. What yeah. year did you graduate high school? 1995. You're showing my age right now. Yeah, I want. This I want, is yeah. 1995. Okay. Yeah. I'm in this program called Job Corps. Okay. Go back. Get get go back to Miami. Get get in more trouble. Finally, I I my son was born. So my oldest son, I got his mom pregnant, obviously, and he was born in 1998. And for the first time in my life, I looked at my son and I'm like, man. I got to do something different with my life. Okay. So I, I, so you're what, 20 when you had your first son? I'm 20, I was 21. 21. Yeah. Okay. So I picked up them and I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, Mm -hmm. running. Why Atlanta? Uh, I knew a guy in Job Corps. Okay. And I went to Atlanta and, um, lost, and I knew Outkast, the music. Yeah. I thought that was fire. So I wind up. True story. My wife and I walked down out of the church to Outkast. You walked where? For when we got married. Oh, you walked out yeah, to Outcast? Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. It's classic. It I knew it was in the right room. Yeah. You're, you're, Come here. On. you're in it. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm, I'm, make, I'm trying to make a long story short. Go for it. Anyways, I'm in Atlanta and I realized the things I was running from about six months in, I'm, I'm out seeking the things of the world that I left. And, you know, and I thought like running away from it was going to be the answer, but I didn't realize what I thought I was running away from was inside of me. And so I was seeking the same things that I ran from. So long story short, I'm in this U-Haul truck. We're moving from an apartment to a rental house. And I didn't ha- I didn't really know nobody. And so a friend of a friend came to help. He had tattoos, sleeves, tattoos on his face. But I needed the help so bad that I was like, man, I'm going to let this man in my house to help me move. And so, you know, kind of, you know how you, you let a random man go into your bedroom yeah. to help you pick up your bed. Right. It's a little awkward. It is. You know, so I'm kind of sizing them up. We put everything in the U-Haul truck, and uh, he asked if he could ride with me. And so he, I, I let him ride with me. He's sharing his testimony. He's sharing how he was in prison, how he used to run drugs up and down. I'm like, whatever, right? I'm yeah. like, whatever. And, you know, he's saying that one night after church in prison, he had to go to his cell, and he said, I had to get down on my face, and I had to pray to Jesus. And he said that Jesus walks into the cell. Now, now this is the year 2000. Yep. So it's 23 years ago. Okay. And I'm like, this guy's crazy. He says Jesus walks into the cell. All he could see was light. He couldn't lift his head up. And Jesus starts speaking to him. You're going to get out of prison. You're going to meet your wife. I'm calling you into ministry. And he said that everything that Jesus told him was, you know, legit. It just happened. Boom, 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 boom. He's out, meets his wife, gets called into ministry, and he's in, in a U-Haul truck yeah. speaking this to me. I'm thinking he's crazy. I'm like, when is this guy going to stop talking? Yeah. I stop at a red light, and I had this vision. 
the best way for me to describe it okay. at his vision. I seen myself in a third person. So I'm seeing myself like a movie reel. Mm -hmm. And I see every time that God saved my life physically. Like I could have lost my life, but he saved it. Could have lost my life, but he saved it. I didn't know God saved my life at the time. Yeah. But now I'm seeing it and I'm feeling as if God saved my life. And at the end of this vision, I see myself as a 12-year-old boy with a skateboard in my hand getting on this bus. And then I heard the father speak to me for the first time. I'm 25 years old at the time. He said, I've been pursuing you this whole time since you were 12. And so I had this crazy encounter. I woke up to a, a honking of a horn behind me because yeah. the red light had turned green. This guy's still talking to me. And I got scared because I've been, I've been crying Stop. at the red light, I promise you. Now, and my heart's beating fast. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't know what, I, I had no idea what was going on. All I knew was like, I had some sort of crazy encounter with God. Hmm. I drove off and my life was never, I was radically delivered, radically saved, radically. And all I knew in my heart of hearts, the moment I got saved, I had to go back into and tell all my friends on the streets, tell everybody that lived a lifestyle like me, getting in trouble, in and out of jail, like all, you know what I mean? Like on drugs, I was like, I got to go tell everybody. Wow. About what just happened to me. And so that was the beginning. That was the year 2000. That was the beginning of just my walk with the Lord. Come on. You know what I mean? And and, and 23 years. I've been walking with him for 23 years. Dude, so I was October 99. Come on, bro. Yeah, when I had my encounter. Went into full-time ministry so in 2000. We're the same age. Basically. <laughs> give or take. <laughs> give or take. Okay, so... So you said you had this vision. Let's just, I want to talk about this for a second because cool. this freaks people out. But the reality is globally, Jesus is appearing to Muslims mm. in Iran, Afghanistan with visions. He's walking into the room in yeah. visions. Like this is something that's happening globally. Some people can hear that and they're like, what are you talking about? Can yeah. you, you said you had, you saw these so, moments where you almost died. Can you share any of those? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was one time, um, you know, parties in Miami would always end <laughs> Fighting, gunshots. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget one time I'm ducking behind the car and bullets, I ain't joking, bullets were hitting the car and hitting the wall and, and pieces of the cement wall was coming down on my, mm -hmm. on my shoulder. Mm. Now I'm a high school kid, 17 years old, you know what I mean? Like ducking and dodging bullets. Yeah. And the Lord showed me that moment. Right. There was another moment where th there was a lot of floods and storms in Miami. Right. Mm -hmm. And one time I went and I lifted up a drain. It kind of freaks me out saying it because I, <laughs> I, I can feel it right now. I lifted up this drain and the water like gushed in it so hard that it pulled my body down. And I don't know what happened. It just pulled my body down and I just stepped. You know, it was almost like somebody reached down and just grabbed me and I stepped Stop. out of it. I mean, it was one thing after another, but I didn't know the Lord. That's the crazy thing about it. It was like, you know what I mean? I didn't yeah. know God. Yeah. I wasn't walking with him. I remember praying prayers when I was young. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like what I know now was probably the youth pastor made all the kids come in the church yeah. and we, you know what I mean? Prayed together yeah. and heard. I, I, here's another crazy thing is I don't remember nothing that this man preached, but 30 something years later, I remember his name. Hmm. I remember what he looks like. You know what I mean? I remember yeah. the impact it had on my life when I was 12, 13 years wow. old. But it didn't bear fruit and give birth till I was 25. Wow. Wow. And so the Lord, you know what I mean? The, the vision I was having was just all these moments. And then the greatest moment to me was me as that 12-year-old boy yeah. in this church. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, you know, I was a knucklehead. Yeah. I wasn't trying to hear it. Yep. You know what I mean? That's why for me, I know that every time I'm loving on somebody and sharing the word, mm -hmm. 
like God is doing something in that. Come on. Because God was doing something in my life that I didn't see fruit till 15 years later. Okay. So you have this encounter. Yeah. And everything changes. Radically changes. Radically changes. Did did anybody preach like, like did you, I, I'm in a conversation with a lot of people that are like, you're not saved unless you had the gospel preached. And then you got re- like, and then you repented. No, you were told that it you was, needed to repent. There was nobody preaching to me. Literally, it was a guy. I mean, he was sharing his story. Mm-hmm. He was sharing his testimony. And everything he was saying in my mind, I was like, man, whatever. That's a lie. I don't want to hear that. I can't wait to get to where we're going to unload this truck. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so he was just sharing his story. And then suddenly at a red light, and it's unexplainable. I can't sit here and explain how it happened. I can't sit here and explain why it happened. It's just I had this vision. And it, it was in my heart that I knew that God has, Jesus has saved my life. Wow. These, these many, and again, it was like three or four different things. And then at the end, I seen myself as a 12-year-old kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the first time in my life, 25 years, and I've prayed before, I've done different things before, but I've never heard the Lord speak to me. He's like, Scott, I've been pursuing you this whole time. Come on. This whole time. So you start in ministry, okay? Now, since then, you've, yeah, you've so, built up. You got, so I mean... I, I you, just started serving right away. Yeah. I just started serving um, really outside of the walls of the church. And the reason why is because I felt more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I could be myself. I was so young in the faith that I felt like I had to live up to something inside the walls of the church. But I felt like I could be who God, you know what I mean? Made yeah. me to be just my authentic self outside. So I just started to plug in and serving in every opportunity that came up. I was like, I was just so zealous and on fire yeah. for God. I'm, like, I'm there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm there. I'm there. From that, God put men and different people into my life that seen something in me that started to pour into me and disciple me. And you know what I mean? And the first time I shared the gospel was amongst men, women, and children on the street, prostitutes, addicts, you name it, like literally on the street. And one of my guys who I went to serve with couldn't make it. And he calls me. He's like, I need you to preach tonight. And I'm like, maybe a year in, right? Maybe. I didn't know the Bible. <laughs> I didn't, wasn't taught how to preach. Yeah. Never went to seminary. Never went to nothing. Yeah. I'm just raw. Had an encounter with the Lord. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now I'm in Atlanta serving the Lord. And he's like, I need you to preach. I'm like, what do you mean? What? Me do what? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, the power is in the word. Mm-hmm. And just share your story. And, I, and I, the first thing I thought of the guy in the U-Haul truck sharing, you know, his, his story to me. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? Fine, I'll do it. And I got up there. It's about 300 people in the room. I'm literally shaking. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm like, I'm shaking. I was never like a public speaker or like, you know. So I was like, I just fumbled through the Bible, picked a verse, started talking about the verse, shared my story, prayed, you know, about 15-minute word. Amen. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, that was horrific. That was horrible. Yeah. Well, then people started to come up to me. Stop. They're like, man, that word really impacted my life. Or, man, I'm going to remember what you said. That really helped me. And I'm over here like, what? Do you remember what you preached? I don't. Okay. I really don't. Yeah, I got you. Because to me, it was like the worst. Yeah. But people, you know, and I started, I started to think like, man, I wonder if God, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if God wants to start using me, you know, in, in this way. So in the very beginning, I was sharing my story a lot, but I was also utilizing you know, gifts and talents that I had been using in the world, like hip hop music, mm-hmm. right? DJing. Yeah. Uh, I've connected with a bunch of break dancers and things like that. So I said, well, what if we started to like utilize, you know, cultural context, 
art yeah. that will start to reach people and engage people. And so we started to do these different block parties in the hood and in, you know, the projects and in the communities and bring stages, sound, DJs, rappers. And, man, next thing you know, people just started to come. Yeah. Right? It would be like 50 people, 100 people, 300 people, whole neighborhood be out in the in the parking lot. Yep. You know what I mean? Then I'd get up and I'd just start to share. Yeah. And again, no train. And I'm not even saying this is the right way to do it, bro. Right, like, right, right, right. No right. training, no, you know, no nothing. Just raw, like, I'm just reading the word, praying, hearing from God, and just going. And people started to, you know, meet Jesus. Come on. People started to be delivered. Yep. People started to be set free. I'm talking about, like, from demonic things, from all kind of stuff. And we're just going after it. Like, again, laying hands on people, praying for people, praying for healing, deliverance. And God just starts to move in power. Mm. Just like 2004, 2005. Then what started happening, people were like, hey, man, where's your church? Because what they were experiencing out there in the in the parking lot of the streets, they were expecting, you know what I mean, to right. go right. to a church and experience the same things. Right. Culturally, even. And the sad part about it was nobody on my team. We all went to different churches, but nobody wanted to invite nobody to their church. Why? Because it didn't look like what well, it didn't look like us, right? And it didn't sound like us, and it didn't feel like us. It was just more of a true. And again, these are amazing, great churches. Yep. It wasn't like these are bad churches and they're preaching a bad gospel. It was just amazing, amazing churches, but they were culturally just different. Mm. Does that make sense? Totally. So. For me, I started to like pray to the Lord, and I felt like, man, God wanted me to plant a church. I'm like, Lord, that, I'm the last person that's going to plant a church. I'm definitely not planting a church. So find somebody else. <laughs> and so for years, we would just tell people, hey, man, just pray, visit different churches, and God will show you yeah. where you need to be. Yeah. Pretty much, you know what I mean? Like what most people should do. Yeah. Well, nine times out of ten, they're like, man, we're not. We've tried that. We're not doing that. <laughs> and they, they would tell me everything or why not. Right. And I would hear all the horror stories. You know what I mean? Like we go to a church and nobody's nobody even says nothing to us, or they make us sit in the back row, or I mean, you name it. And you're ministering to a group that doesn't fit in. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Marginalized, yeah. not just in life, right? But also in the context of church. Yeah. Culturally, they're not ready culture. to go into church. Like hit Correct. that church culture. They're raw. Yeah. They're raw. You know what I mean? If you walk in with a hat. I've had I've had hats ripped off my head. Yeah. Walking into church as the speaker of the night. What's that like? Wild. Well, they didn't know I was a speaker. Right. But you know what I mean? Like though I've had hats ripped off my head. It's crazy. This is the house of the Lord shoved in my chest. Yeah. You know, respect the Lord. And I'm just like, man, wow. And then they saw me on the stage. They they, they came and repented <laughs> after. You know what I mean? Like, and I wore the hat. Yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> But anyways, you don't I'll take me that. as a guy that lets just people push yeah, you around. Like, like, yeah, I've always been pushing the, 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 you know what I mean? The limits yeah. and the barriers. And so, man, people were encountering Jesus and we said, man, we need to do something about this. So we started a event called the city takers experience every last Friday of the month. Okay. We started January, 2010. So now we're doing all this outreach. We're doing stuff on the streets. We're doing stuff on college campuses, neighborhoods, homeless shelters, drug rehab centers. This is our heart. We wanted to like really just be the church. Like with the things we're reading about in the word, we wanted to just go do that. Mm -hmm. We're just that raw and real, right? What we're reading, this is what we want to do. Yeah. This is what we want to see. We want to see this fruit. And so we're just going to, you know, by faith, just go out and do. And then Jesus is showing up. Yep. And however he wants to show up, he can show up. And so the problem was now was where, where are we sending people to? 
Okay. And so, and you have like hundreds of people now that are looking, not hundreds of people who are looking, but also hundreds of people who are serving Mm. because there was a whole movement of young people that felt like black sheep and outcasts Mm. in their own churches. You know what I mean? And they wanted to be used by God, but they didn't have the, you know, the form, form, the pedigree. Yeah. They didn't have the pedigree. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have nothing, but we were like, come on. We need you. Not only do we want you, we need you. You know what I mean? Like the city needs you. And so, you know, then people start calling us to to come. You know what I mean? And calling us to serve. Or, hey, we're coming through Atlanta. You guys got anything going on? Yeah. You know, or we got a tour coming through Atlanta. And some of these tours are like bigger tours. I'm like, well, I could put you on the streets. And they're like, yeah, let's go. You know what I mean? And so we, we had say bigger, tour like musicians. Like big, yeah, bigger artists, musicians who are coming through Atlanta. You know, like, yeah. All kind of people. And I'm like, well, I could set something up on the streets. And they're like, let's do it. Not everybody. Right, right, Some right, of them were like, let's right. do it. And you know what I mean? And we'd have hundreds of people on the streets. Um, Yeah. But now we had a place to send people to. Mm-hmm. And that was a game changer for us. Because now it's like, hey, come here on a Friday night, 7.30 p.m. Really started at 8. Doors open at 7.30. We have a DJ playing. Have a rapper. Have a worship band right in the middle. Right. And then I'd share a word, and then we'd have another rapper close out the night. And y'all know about the power of worship at Iris. Heck yeah. So, bro, <laughs> we, we had we had uh, this guy Joe and his wife Christian worshiping with us. And you know how, like, sometimes you just have this dope connection, and you could just flow yep. with a certain yep. band. Yep. I mean, they just had it. Yep. And me and them had it. And so they get up on the platform, and nine times out of ten, I didn't even need to bring a word. Because the word was already in the building. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. So, like, Jesus just shows up. Yeah. He manifests himself. And so, right in the middle of worship, the craziest things would happen. You know, and people would just start being delivered, like, in the building. What does that look like? I mean, all different types of ways, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, we're talking about raw, real people from, you know, the neighborhood, people from the street, mixed with people from the church, yep. you know what I mean? Mixed with people who love Christian rap, mixed with everybody. And so sometimes it'd be people just weeping and crying. Sometimes it'd be someone, you know, scream out and start to manifest and mm-hmm. roll around on the ground. Sometimes guys would bring up bags of weed mm-hmm. and just lay it down at the altar, like during the band is playing, you know what I mean? And my guys would have to come. And people would just, <laughs> without doing an altar call, right. people were coming to the altar. I freaking love it, dude. And it was insane. Yeah. Insane. I mean, yeah, I could sit here and tell you stories all day long about that. Yeah. But nine times a ten, I would just get up and start to pray. You know what I mean? And minister in, you know what I mean? That way. So it wasn't like a word like I'm giving a three point sermon and we're putting the points on on the it was more about Holy Spirit leading and we're just following his lead. And the word spread really fast about that. What year was this? This was started in 2010. Okay. It really got legs, I don't know, six to nine months after that. Okay. 50 people, 75 people, 150 people, 300 people, all the way up, you know, a few years in, we'd have 1,000 people in, in the room. Wow. 1,000 people. Wow. Guys like, you know, Lecrae would come through. We've had every Christian rapper come through, but it wasn't, and I never paid one person. Wow. I never paid one person a dollar in 10 years. They just wanted to be there. They just wanted to be there because it was about the mission Mm. and the ministry of what Holy Spirit was doing. 
And, you know, we did the last Friday all the way up to February of 2020 mm. until COVID hit. We did the last Friday of every month. But in 2017, then what the Lord started to do with me is like break my heart for discipleship. Yep. Right. So now we're reaching all these people. All these people are having encounters with the Lord. Some of them are going back to their churches. You know what I mean? Majority of them weren't. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, Lord, what do we, you know what I mean? What, what do we do? Whatever you're going to ask me, I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love what I do now. I don't want to plan a church. Little to know, we, you know, I always felt like we've been at church. This Friday night gathering. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like everything we do is church. <laughs> right. Family, you know, community yep. gather around the person eat together, Jesus, eat yep. together, pray together. But, you know what I mean? Like people were still um, felt like they didn't have a family outside of my core guys. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? And so we started to pray. We started to fast. And long story short, well, I got to tell you this story. You tell you me what we, we good on time? We do whatever you want. Right. I don't have an agenda. I got to tell you this story. So I went to this church planning conference called Exponential. Okay. Have you ever been to it? No. Have you ever heard of it? I don't go to too May, many conferences. Yeah, me, me neither. Yeah. Before this. Okay. I went with a friend. Yeah. Who is a church planner out of Tampa. And he was doing a workshop for church planning organizations to come and hear about urban church planning. He's the urban guy. Okay. You know what I mean? And urban was the new cool factor. And I, I heard that you were the urban guy. Well, I, I wasn't an urban church planner at the okay. time. Okay. I was anti-church planning. Do you like that label? What? Urban, urban. I don't, yeah. Call me whatever. I've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. No, but he, he's like, come with me. It's in Orlando, Florida. And I'm going to teach this class to church planning networks who plant churches. Because what, what happened was everybody's moving back to the cities. Mm. Right. And there's pretty much a suburban model of church planning in America. Yep. They're trying to figure out what's the best ways to plant churches in the city. So I show up. I'm just in the class with him. He's teaching. They're asking questions. How, so how do you engage your community? How do you you know, what are the best ways to do X, Y, Z? And he asked me to, hey, why don't you answer some questions? So I was like, cool, I'll answer questions. And I just start spitting out answers. They're like, oh, my. everybody's <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> And they're like, okay, well, well, at what point did you, you know, right. what times do you meet on Sundays? I'm like, well, we don't meet on, we don't meet on Sundays. What? What do you mean you don't meet on Sundays? Well, when do you do church? I'm like, well, we don't have church like what you, you know, what you right. think is church. And so that was really the first, like after that meeting, people are coming up to me, church planning organization. Man, you got to let us help you. We'll help you plan a church in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. We'll help you. And I'm like. I'm like, I've heard this, a, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I've heard this a million right. and one times. I said, they're like, why, why don't you do it? I said, when the Lord tells me to do it yeah. is when I'll do it. Yep. And in my mind, just to be honest with you, Will, yeah. I thought eventually when things slowed down for me, I would go and probably plan a church yeah. or be on staff at a church. Yep. That, was my, that was my thought. So you weren't seeing yourself at as all. this leader, this builder? At all. I was, the, I was honestly, I was seeing myself more apostolic, yeah. Right. Like going into new territories. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. preaching the gospel, like loving our neighbors and, yeah. you know, planning things, but Music. not necessarily. Yeah. Not necessarily like Sunday morning driven church, right. if that makes sense. Traditional model church. I, it's funny. Like I, I hear what I 
everything you've told me is you built a church that's more fruitful than 90% of those guys that were in that room. And they're like, but you're doing it wrong. You got to do a church. Honestly, that's all I'm hearing. Like the whole time I'm, I'm sitting here I'm, listening. I'm like, glad you said that. You're pastoring, <laughs> right? And it's, it is, it's mildly offended. Like I would get offended if they're like, oh no, you're not doing this thing. You, you need to do a Sunday yeah. in order for it to be church and count. Because people Correct. needed well, to fit yeah. into a model. Correct. Yeah, you're right. I don't like that. You're I mean, right. I get the heart and I know that I'm sure they have like pure hearts, but like. No, you're right. That's that's basically they where, want you where to people fit. are coming from. They want you to fit a model. They want you to fit a model. Yeah, a and blu- their blueprint. But they're listening to you because you have the model. Correct. Which is obedience. Correct. And serving so the poor. So check this out, though, because the story gets deeper. Give it to me. So I'm going to try not to talk. We, I uh, no, no, you're good. Talk, please. This is your podcast. I just listen. Okay. So I leave there. Well, there's a dinner party. First of all, there's a dinner party. So I go to this dinner party, and there's three pastors that I know of in Atlanta. They know of me, right? Mm-hmm. And we know each other, but we don't really know each other. Okay. So they're like, sit down at our table. So I sit down. We're hanging out. When you in there? When are you planting your church? And I'm like, I'm not. Again, I'm at a church planting conference. I'm like, I'm not planting a church. They're like, why not? So I'm over here, like having to explain myself, you know, over and over and over. And um, one of them asked me if I've been to church planning assessment <laughs> and i'm like t- i've been so anti church planning right for the last 15 years of my life prior that i've not been around any of that culturally does that make sense that's there's a whole world and it praise yeah. god for them right yep. it's amazing but i was like i don't even know what church planning assessment means <laughs> and they're like well they assess your readiness to plan a church or not i'm like well i don't need that because i'm not i'm not doing it so long story short, we leave there, and um, I get back to Atlanta, and I got a friend of mine who used to live in Tampa, now lives in Minneapolis, called me. He was like, hey, bro, I'm going to be in Atlanta next week. I'm like, cool. He's like, let's hang out. I'm like, great. He's like, I got a new job. I'm like, really? What is it? He said, I'm the new urban church planning guy for, for you know this church planning network. And I'm like, what? And he had no idea I was just at this thing. And so I was like, all right, cool, let's hang out. So we end up walking the streets of Atlanta, and people are like, yo, Pastor, what up? Yo, Pat, there's the guys in the street who I've been right. ministering to forever, right. right? Pastor, I'm like, what's up, bro? <laughs> and this guy's like, this guy's freaking out. Right. He's like, bro, I've walked around with a lot of pastors in cities, and you know what I mean? Like, everybody knows you. Yeah. He's like, why don't you plant a church? And I'm like, man, what is, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like within a week's time. I must have been, you know what I mean, like 50 times. Right. And this thing is just keeps coming up, keeps coming up, keeps coming up. So I asked him, I was like, do you do this uh, assess thing, assess, assessment? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm going to send you the stuff, you know what I mean? Fill out the paperwork and we'll we'll get this thing started. Now, he's hype. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I don't even say I'm going to do it. I'm just asking the question. And is he on. like, I'm going to bring you into our thing? Yeah. 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 So check this out. So they send me the thing, email. I open it up. It's like a 100 page mm-hmm. Dang, you know, thing to sign up, right? Like, anyways, I look at it. I'm like, not even no, but heck to the no. <laughs> Am I filling this out, right? Mm-hmm. Application, 100-page application. They want to know my social security number. They want my do background checks. They want to run my credit. They want to run. So they're like digging. Like, they want to know, you know what I mean, who Scott is. To they join them. 
Well, to go through their training. To go through their training. Okay. All Which right. would eventually, you would hold, join them. God, I'm freeing up so many on. questions, Scott. Okay, hold keep going. On. It's not a bad thing, though. I, I mean, feel it, bad. It, like, I don't <laughs> like what you're saying. Everything inside of me is getting upset right now. I'm sweating. Because you're I a don't king, like this. Yeah. Because okay, you're, you're, you're a kingdom guy. And it's I'm a good thing. Stop. I'm just going to so, stop. So check this out. So I send this to Tammy, who's my wife. Yes, who's incredible. Shout out to Tammy. Love that way. woman. She's amazing. She's so much better than you. She is. And very much smarter than me. She is, dude. Yeah. So I married. <laughs> up. Up. But I was going to say Puerto Rican lawyer. Yes. <laughs> She's brilliant. So I can't win any fights. I love you, girl. But so I sent it to her. I said, hey, baby, look at this. And, and again, my wife wasn't in. She didn't hear none of this church planning stuff. She wasn't at the conference with me. You know what I mean? Oh, she was there. Actually, she was at the conference, but she didn't really. I hadn't been talking to her about it because I wasn't doing it. You know what I mean? So why should I talk to my wife about it? If it's something I'm just not doing. So I said, she said, what is this? I said, this is for like a church planning assessment. And she's like, well, why would we want to do that? Yeah. I said, well, we don't. But, you know. This is, you know, Chris, who she knew at the time. He's got a new job, and he wants to know if we want to go to this assessment. He said, is this the same thing those guys were talking about, those pastors at the table? I said, yeah, same thing. And so it was literally in on one of the Great Lakes in Michigan. They were going to send us away for a week or four or five days, right, free of charge. So me and her, we're just looking at it like, I said, I said hey, worst case scenario, we get a late vacation, you know what I mean, for five days. Yeah. She prays about it. She said the Lord wanted her to fill it out. She filled out all the stuff and sent it back in. We go to this assessment. Right before the assessment, we buy this foreclosure house, bro. Okay. I'm talking about a house with weeds growing up on yeah. it. I walk in the house. I just randomly look at stuff, right? My wife it drives her crazy. Mm -hmm. So I, I pull into this house. This is before the assessment thing. Pull into this house. I remember we had to break in, kind of a lot of uh, similar story. Yeah, similar to story a house to this place that, that we're in right now. Yeah, <laughs> break in the house. I'm standing in the house, right? Literally, the floors are caving in. Yep. My wife's like, "What are we doing? Let's get out of here." Right. I said, "No, hold on, look." And and it's as if the Lord was showing me the house complete. Right. And I'm standing in the house, and she's not the same visionary as me. She's like, "Scott, you're dreaming. Let's get out of here <laughs> before you fall through the floor." Mm -hmm. And then I heard a whisper in my heart, this is your house. Crazy, right? I walk out of the house. There's all these vines. I push back some vines, on, and there's a real estate sign. I know the guy on the sign. This is no joke. Okay. Just, you know how a real estate sign that yeah, has yeah. a face? Yeah, a little photo. Yep. Call him. Hey, this is Scott Free. He's like, what is Scott? What are you doing? I'm, I'm standing <laughs> in front of this house. He's like, oh, man, that house is locked up in a foreclosure thing. You know what I mean? In and out of court. Right. You know. Like, we can't sell it until it comes out of the court case. So my wife liked it on Zillow. Three months later, it comes on the market because she gets an email. She's like, isn't this that house that right. we were in? I said, yes. I call my buddy up. He's like, oh, it's a bidding war. You know what I mean? It's going for like 300000 something right. crazy. And I'm like, oh, this house, this house is going to take 300000 to fix up. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. out of my league, out of an urban missionary's budget. Yeah. And so... He calls me back a few weeks later. He's like, hey, man, it fell through. You know, I'm not supposed to say this, but if you want to bid on it, now's the time to bid on it because we're about to put it back on next day, and it's going to go right back yeah. up. So I bid half of what it was. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I prayed the Lord. The Lord said the number, I'll just say it, 140. Yeah. Right? 
I told the guy, he's, and he had somebody else call me to write it up. She laughed at me. I said, no, this is what it is. If you don't write it up, I'll find somebody else to write it up. Yep. She wrote it up. Yep. An hour later, we, we, we get the house. Boom. Boom. So we close on this house. The next week, we go to assessment, right, we're on vacation. Remember, we're not, doing, we're not planting a church. Mm-hmm. We're just going just to go. Yep. We go through. The second day, I get a phone call from Grady Hospital, which is the big hospital downtown Atlanta. Yep. I had moved my father up from Miami about five years before that. He said, how quickly can you get to the hospital? We have your father here, and we need you to get here as soon as possible. Now I'm three hours from my airport on the Great Lake, right? Learn how to plant I'm, churches. I, I'm mad at myself because I knew I wasn't even, you know what I mean? In my mind, I'm like, not even supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's going on? They said, we don't know yet. Just get here as quickly as possible. I'm looking at air, airplane tickets, you know what I mean, trying yep. to get out. I couldn't get out till the next morning. That night, 8 o'clock at night, I get a call from the doctor. Finally, a doctor called me. It was a lady. She's like, hey, I don't have good news. It looks like your dad had a brain aneurysm, right? He has no brain activity. We've done all the tests. We have my life support. I heard you're out of town. Whether you get back today, tomorrow, or a week from now isn't going to change the situation much. You know what I mean? Like, we really just need you to decide, like, how long do you want to keep him on? My God. So I get this close. Yeah, so I was okay. pretty close to him. Yeah. And so it was really bad news, obviously. Yeah. But I, as I'm praying that night, I heard the Lord say, finish what you're doing and then go back and deal with that. So I literally I went through. I like this story. Yeah, I literally went through two more days <sighs> and I preached the word at this place. Okay. Right. At the end of it, I said a simple prayer, me and Tammy said, Lord, if this is you, we say yes. Whatever you want, just, you know, just make it clear. They, 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 you know, they have this little makeshift board. They're like, we highly recommend you and your wife move forward, planting a church. If you want us to help you, we will. Go back and deal with, you know what I mean? Like, we're so sorry. And they were super graceful. Yeah. Super loving. Yeah. Go back. I buried my pops. You know, the next week, my wife's puking sick as a dog. I said, like, go to the hospital. She was that sick. She goes to the hospital. I'm calling her. I'm like, what's going on? Because I had to be somewhere else. She's like, meet me at, we go to this little Indian restaurant. Me, I'm like, nope. You need to tell me right now what the heck is going on. Yeah. Because I'm like, Lord, if all this stuff has to do with this church thing, right. I'm out. I don't even want it. Like, it seemed like, you know what I mean? Like as soon as tax coming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like all this stuff just started to go down. I got you. We meet at this restaurant. She pulls out this sonogram mm-hmm. of my son, Zeke. Let's you go. know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm thinking like the worst. You right, know what I mean? So right. I'm mad, but then I'm right. happy. I'm crying. She's crying. The waitress was like, oh, I think I'll come back. <laughs> and I'm praying to God. I'm like, Lord, this is way too much. What is going on? You know what I mean? And I get a word. He's like, Scott, everything that's happening in the natural is a reflection of what I'm doing in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, okay, that's a fire word, but help me understand that. Yeah, dude. It's father time. Yes. He said, he said, the old yeah. is passing away and you're building a house. That's what I was doing at the time. I was redoing mm-hmm. a whole house. Mm-hmm. You're building a house and you're birthing and you're to father children. I mean, it was so clear to me. Yeah, dude. I got up from that prayer. I'm like, all right, Lord, let's go. I'm all in. Right? So that was 2008. 18, 
I start this journey of building a team, which yep. I already had a team. Yep. The, the, the moment we said we're going to plan a church, I had 115 people sign up. Yeah. The church planning thing said we needed 10. I told them I had 100 and something. <laughs> they, they, they thought I was crazy. They're right. like, no way you had 100. I'm like, I got 100 soldiers. I don't got just 100. I got 100 soldiers yeah. who are sold out to take the, ready to take the city. Yep. So fast forward, we finally, you know, find a place to plant because that's another hard part, right? It's like yep. facility. Find a place to plant in the city of Atlanta. Had 550 people show up to our launch service, yep. right? Which, yep. which praise God, was great. So for us, it was like the Lord convinced me. This is how he convinced me. He said, Scott, what would it look like if you had 300 people that you send out as city takers every single week? And I'm like, ooh, I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, that's what I want the church to look like. It's training, equipping, yep. sending. Yep. It's not entertaining. And right. just, so it's more of an apostolic yeah. right, sending center. It's what you did. It's what we've been yep. doing. And so, so we launched September 2019, the Sunday morning expression of city takers, which we call Crossway Teal. And six months later, the world shuts down. Right. So then me and the Lord, I'm like, all right, Lord, like what? Why would you have me do all of that? Just to, but, but city takers, the mission, the movement got busier mm -hmm. because the needs in the city went up and we just, we're just attacking the need. You yeah. know what I mean? We're just serving the neighborhood. Yep. We're just serving the people. But Sunday shut down. So for us, it didn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like, yep. because we weren't Sunday driven. But at the same time, I'm like, Lord, why would you have me do, you know what I mean? Two right. years of preparation to start this. But here, here yeah. it is. You ready Things for this? Things got spicy, man. And Yeah. So this is why. Three months into COVID, mm -hmm. the world is still shut down, yep. right? We're rocking and rolling lifestyle, mm -hmm. right? We're just doing, serving. Doing what like, you do. We're doing what we've been doing for 15 years. All these churches in the city of Atlanta, right? Now that city takers, me, Scott Free, planted a church, I became one of one of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it affirmed yep. the work we were doing. Because now, you know what I mean? Like churches understand church planners. Right. They don't understand apostolic movements right. as much. Does that make sense? Right. I'm not no, saying they don't. Some don't just, even like them because it, look, it looks as a threat to what right. they're building. Exactly. Yeah. So, so when we planted the church, we got tons of support from the, the capital C church right. in the city of Atlanta. Right. Three months in, you know, to COVID, they're all shut down. They don't know what to do. Think about it. even the mega churches right. don't know what to do. Right. They're like, oh, we're going to do online, but online, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's limited to what you can do online. Right. And so we started to get phone calls from churches all over the city. Hey, how are you guys? How are you guys doing that? Right. Or what are y'all doing over here? Can you explain how you're doing that? You didn't really skip a beat. At all. Yeah. At all. And and literally, we started, that We churches started to, mega churches wanted to meet with us. So now they're coming down into the city, into the hood, which they never would do. They're coming into the hood with their teams, lead pastors. And I'm in 2020, I was able to speak into this the church yeah. in the city of Atlanta about missional church. Right. And I told every one of them, I said, I feel like the new wineskin for the church, right, is the missional church. Yep. It's not the Sunday driven church. Yeah. It's the it's the church on mission in its community, in its neighborhood, loving God and loving our neighbors. 
And all of them were like, let's go. Let's do it. Come on. You know what I mean? Because, again, they couldn't do Sundays. Right. You know what I mean? Dude, God had and you so, ready. Yeah. And so, like, our church, and we still meet on Sundays. Yeah. It's a quarter of the people. Yeah. But it so to me, it to me, Sunday is important. Yeah. But it's not the all in all. Right. If we, we go and minister not to invite people to Sundays, it's not the goal. Right. The goal is to love them and make disciples. You know what I mean? And, and period. And if people ask, you know what I mean? And again, we would love for people to come. Right. But I'd rather take the church to the people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where the people are gathering. Dude, you took me to, I forget her name. Miss Joyce. Miss Joyce. Yeah, into a community. We, we walked into Miss Joyce's house. Miss Joyce is 86 years old. Lived in that neighborhood for 39 years, yep. I think it is. Yeah, and that's 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 my grandma, dude. She was amazing. We prayed for her, but yeah. the impact that you have had on her life, you could just tell. Yeah, and she's been to the church a few times. Yep. You know what I mean? She's not. She's definitely not there every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been around four or five years now. She's probably come three, four times. Yeah, but you've been. But going again, there. Uh, we go there. You've been going there for years. We go there. Dude, that is, I think that's more a vision of the church, especially the early church, the apostolic church, than what we've made it into in the buildings. COVID, I don't remember the dates. George Floyd happens. Yeah. What what year was that? 2020. 2020, mm-hmm. right? So you start this church, and then you're in the middle. All that. We're in the middle of that. We, we, we started to do, like, during all the racial stuff, especially mm-hmm. around George Floyd, we said, why don't we just get out there amongst the people? Mm-hmm. You know, again, a lot of churches were ignoring it because they're afraid of it. Right. Right. And so fear cripples people and keeps yeah. them stagnant. Well, we as city takers, we like to go where we, we say we like to go where the gates of hell seem like they're prevailing. Okay. Right. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against who? The church. Yeah. And if we are the church, not the program, you know, but we, the bot, the, the, yeah. The temple of God, yep. which is now New Testament is us. Yeah. We walk into where the gates of hell seem like they're prevailing. So around all the unjust racial stuff, the demonic racial stuff that was mm-hmm. happening, um, or racist stuff, I should say. We wanted to be peacemakers. Talk to me in about the that. middle of it. So what we said, let's just go pray and worship right in the middle of the marches. You know what I mean? Right in the middle of people busting windows out and throwing stuff at police. And you know what I mean? Like, let's just go see what the Lord does. Yeah. You know? And so we, I, I think the first time we went, it was like 10 people, 10 of us, one guitar, one singer, you know, no, no speakers, no nothing, just set up shop. And then, you know, a few people would be like on Facebook live or Instagram mm-hmm. live or whatever. And then it was like, Videos just started to go viral real fast, mm-hmm. right? And so it was it was based on the videos going viral. People are like, man, when are you doing that again? Right. So in our minds, we're like, well, we'll do it tomorrow. You want to come? Let's come. And so the next day, it was like 30, 40 people. The next day, it was like 100 people to the point where, you know, the God was just getting some, I mean, just the, I mean, the Holy Spirit was so tangible. Right. Something happened, like, I remember you showed me a video. Well, the video was led up to, like, we did our own march. Okay. We said, you know, because there was a lot of young people that didn't really even know why they were marching. They didn't even know why they were mad. You know what I mean? Mad. And it was like, all it was about was, you know what I mean? Like, 
they wanted to make a difference. Yep. They wanted to take a stand yep. for injustice, right. which is a righteous thing to yep. do. The problem was, you know, back in the civil rights movement, you had mighty men of God leading the way. Mm. And so it was a righteous voice leading the way. And we felt like the church, capital C church, not us, not our church, but yep. capital C church had to lead the way. And you know what I mean? Bringing reconciliation and revival right. to, or bringing justice to an unjust situation. So we called for the church, capital C church, to come together and lead a march from Centennial Olympic Park to the Capitol and back and end with a worship experience of the church. And this is during COVID. This What's Centennial so we, Park for those people who It's don't a know. park in downtown Atlanta. It's where the Olympic, they had the Olympic. Okay. I don't know. The, the, yeah, yeah. The Olympic yep. stuff. It's where the Olympic bomb went off in mm -hmm. 1995, I think it was. Um, so we had this idea, right? Like, let's, let's do it. But, but the park was closed cause of COVID. Right. So we went to the city the city was like, no way we're not, you know what I mean? Like, but meanwhile, hundreds of thousands of people are marching on the streets right. illegally. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we want to do something, you know what I mean? Like righteous and right mm -hmm. to bring healing and reconciliation. But they're like, no. So they said, we said, you know, we went back to them like, Hey, you know, we try to use our religious liberty and rights. Yep. yep. They said, okay, hundred thousand dollars just to open the park. Really? Yeah. We're like, oh man, there's no way. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we don't got a hundred thousand dollars. And I was actually one of the founders of this ministry called One Race. Mm -hmm. um, it's all focused on racial reconciliation. You can check out One Race Movement. And so we went back to the team, and it was like, this is no way, hundred thousand dollars just to open the park, not to do right. the event, just to right. open it. And long story short, a donor stepped up the very next day and said, I'm gonna take care of that, hundred grand. Come on. Because the Lord wants to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, you know, did the whole big stage, whole big thing. 20,000 people show up Dude. on Juneteenth of 2020 in the middle of COVID. This is in the middle of COVID. In the middle of COVID. In the, in the middle of the chaos. The chaos right? with all the... Globally, things yeah. are going crazy. 20,000 people show up. A majority millennial. yes. To march from Centennial Olympic Park to the Capitol and back. And then we worshiped and praised the Lord. You know what I mean? For, I don't know, two, three hours. What? In the middle of the park. Describe to me, describe to me what that looked like. Yeah, you did it. It looked like heaven. Honestly, it looked like heaven. When we got to the Capitol, something supernatural happened. When we got to the Capitol, the... Chief police just resigned because another man was murdered in a Wendy's parking lot. I don't know if you remember this. Story. I do. That just in the middle of all that, that happened. Yeah. The chief of the police resigned because he's like, I can't take, you know what I mean? This is too much. Right. Two officers killed a guy sleeping in his car. And this is right where you're, this is right around this the is area. in our neighborhood. Yeah. That Atlanta's that big. City takers. Yeah. Yep. That was in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That happened in our neighborhood where we are on the west side of Atlanta. And so they just they just put in a new chief of police who was a black man. Mm -hmm. He showed up to this event. We got to pray over this man. Come on. You know what I mean? Like people laying. I got a picture. I'll send it to you. Yeah. 
of and there's I a video know, on like YouTube and there's a video yeah that I'll people send you the can video watch. as well yeah. what's we'll put the link so if you go to city takers just look up city takers on YouTube yep look up citytakers.com you know city takers on Instagram mm-hmm. Facebook all that stuff so yeah we'll put we'll put it up yeah and so it was this moment you know what I mean ten thousand people because because again when you're marching with twenty thousand people you know. 10,000 are at the Capitol. Well, 10,000 are still marching. <laughs> it's so many people, bro. It's it's hard to describe, like, yeah. the, the sea of people. And so the crazy thing about it is the church is leading it. Right. But then people in the city are just getting, you know what I mean? Like, so They're it grew from 20,000 to, like, probably 40,000, 50,000 people. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, they had to shut the park down. I mean, it was like, we we're supposed to have, I want to say 8,000 max. You Did know what you I mean? Like tons of hate? Oh, it was, yeah, there was tons, yeah. We were called super spreaders, yeah, we yeah. were called everything, you know, every name in the book. But what the Lord did, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. first of all, he united his body. Come on. Which, how hard is it to get churches to come together and Dude, it's impossible. Do stuff? It's impossible on a good day. Right. And this then was you like have a season of tension on like... Hundreds of churches, not just a few churches, hundreds of churches coming together over, you know what I mean? Racial injustice yep. to see reconciliation happen. And listen, to this day, guess what? Pastors are meeting together. Pastors are breaking bread together. Come on. Pastors are praying together. You know what I mean? That's part of one race movement. So definitely check that out. You know, my wife sits on the board still. Yep. And just God is using it tremendously. But it all started from a few pastors getting together and just praying. It's literally birthed out of prayer. Literally. Yeah. Which started from some dude in a U-Haul. A U-Haul truck. Sharing his testimony. That's it, man. And that dude became my best friend. His name is Christian Dominguez. And he actually started to fall away from the Lord yeah. at some season, right? And then he started to come back. And he came, he would come to the City Takers events mm-hmm. and be like super hyped. God, I'm back, you know? And it was about two months after he started to come back, he lost his life. And I did his funeral. Yep. Dude. Yep. So, but, but, Scott, but if any, you know, if you if, live like five lives, man, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that sometimes, dude, but now, bro, listen, I'm raising up guys like my man Vaughn over here who's yeah. behind the camera. You know what I mean? Like I have a heart to put these guys in position to make major impact right. on the streets, in the schools and in the, in, in the prisons. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we've done amazing big things. Yeah. In prisons, yeah. college campuses, yeah. neighborhoods, cities, and and I have a heart to multiply. Well, God is already multiplying. We launched Southwest Florida last year. We have a mission base in Southwest Florida. You know, we're trying to do New York City, San Antonio. I got some guys I've been pouring into Portland. We have a discipleship base in Portland, Oregon. So you know what I mean? It's just like I want to see this thing like grow its own legs, right, and start to run its course in the context of inner city, urban environments, right. you know what I mean, where right. the gates of hell seem like they're prevailing in the city. Right. And I want to see, and we raise people up from those areas to be missional. So you're you're hearing what's taking place in the cities, on the streets, daily. What, what, what do you feel like the Lord's speaking to the church right now from your perspective? Because we hear a lot, yeah. this is what we, like, I hear a lot of churches saying, God, break out with revival, right? Do this in the cities, do that in the cities. You're there, you're doing it. 
Yeah. You're seeing move like you're seeing a move. You just dude. I just was at the send, which I love, missional sending movement. There was nine thousand people. I'm gonna be in Boston in the city. We might gather ten, fifteen thousand people. You're seeing twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand people organically. Yeah. Like that the Lord does in a moment. Like what what is being on the ground in the middle of it? And this is what I think, this is why I love Heidi so much. And you haven't met her yet. Not personally. Right? No. She took she took the voice of what the Lord was doing on the field in the amongst the poorest of the poor, brought it to the church, shared that, and wrecked the church. Man, that's what Yeah. That's how like she grew. Like that's her voice went globally when she basically shared, remember the poor, right? Yeah. Don't don't forget the poor, the sick, the needy, and the broken. Mm-hmm. She brought a word to the church. Dude, what do you feel like the Lord's telling you to to the to share to the to the church? Yeah, I think a couple things. One is I said it before. I think the missional church is the new. You know, he the Lord is pouring out new wine on that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not. I think COVID fast forwarded that. Right. Fast tracked that. Mm-hmm. And I think we can't go back to what was. Yeah. Does that make sense? We have to move into what the Lord is saying and doing. Okay. Beyond Sundays. I, we always say it's bigger than Sundays. Right. And we also have a, uh, a thing we say every day is Sunday. <laughs> right? So it's yeah. everyday church. Right. It's like we are the church. We know that. We say that. Mm-hmm. But we don't really live that out. Okay. So what does that mean? What does that look like? So living that out looks like, you know, we all have a sphere of influence. We all have people who we're put around, positioned around, live around, mm-hmm. work around that Jesus, when he comes back, is not going to be a good thing. Let's just be real. It's a good thing for some. Explain that. Okay. People are what like, I, what I mean by that. Jesus and come back is a bad thing? Yeah. Tell it's me a what good thing means. for those that know him. Right. It's a horrible thing for those that don't know him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's not coming back to bring peace, but a sword. Mm-hmm. And so there are people that you work with. There are people in your family. Mm-hmm. There are people, you know what I mean, whom, whom Jesus, instead of sending his son to the earth today, his son lives in you and in me, and Jesus sends us. Mm-hmm. So the place that you hate to work at, that you're despising to go to work on Monday yeah, morning, praying your way out of you're your You're trying job. to pray your way yeah. out to go do ministry. <laughs> the Lord's like, no, the ministry is in you. I would say the ministry is just an overflow of what Jesus is doing in you. Mm-hmm. That is going to impact the person whom he loves, and he sent you to work around. Yeah. Right? So it's the people who you work with. It's the people who you go to school with. It's the people in your community, in your sphere of influence, in your neighborhood. Yep. Who Jesus sends you to love on, share truth with, reach, disciple, the whole nine. But you know what I mean? We're trying to, this is the Good Samaritan story, right? Dude. Pass that person to go do ministry to Christians. Right. Let's just be honest and real. Like that's. It was the the priest. It was the Levite. And then the Samaritan was the one to stop. So the church. The worshipers, the presence, and the people that know the word, they kept going. Yes, 100%. And it's still, it's the same story. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the same story. And so I feel like the Lord is shifting things to, you know what I mean? Because things are speeding up, right? He, he, you know, we're one day closer to his return. Yeah, man. And so the whole world needs to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just read a stat the other day that now the United States of America is the third biggest unreached people group. 
something like to that effect okay. or, or like people who, you know what I mean? Based yeah. on numbers yeah. of disciples. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there's a, there's a large number of people, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. From, and again, that could be wrong, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of people right here in our city that, you know what I mean? Don't know him. They don't know him. Or they say they know him. You know yeah. what I mean? I think there's a lot of casual Christians. There's a lot yep. of. Okay, so what does it look like? Christians. Somebody's somebody's in uh, Oklahoma, uh, middle of nowhere, listening to this. Yeah. How do you do it? And I don't want to make it into a formula because I know it's more about heart. You could tell you lead from your heart. But yeah, like, what does it look like? It's it's really not formula. It's 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 spending time. Yep. With him, right? It's the overflow of what he's doing in you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. So it's it's loving God, loving your neighbor, being unashamed, mm-hmm. being bold, mm-hmm. right? And just talking to people. Okay. Because right. I watched you do this. What so you watch Heidi, do? okay, I'll just, because some people, I think a lot of people that watch this, they know who Heidi is, right? She says, stop for the one, right? Yeah. Like, it's not the numbers, it's the one person. I watched you do this. What does that look like, though? People, like, they get, they want to get over the hump. Like, they, they're like, okay, I want to do this, but I don't feel like I'm trained. What does it look like? I always say, how are you doing? I always, yeah, yeah. It's something as simple as like, hey, you know, people, the one thing people love to talk about is themselves. <laughs> So, you know what I mean? Like, hey, how you doing? What's your name? Yeah. Where are you from? Yep. You know what I mean? Like, where? why'd you move here? Or what brought you here? Or why are you working this job? Or why? You know what I mean? Like, it's yep. literally, you, you could ask. I could probably spend three minutes with somebody and know a whole lot about them. Mm-hmm. Like, a whole lot about them. You know what I mean? And then I'm able to speak into, and most people are one of three places. Most people are, like, running from something. Mm-hmm. Most people are hurting from something. Or most people are like what I call, they're just busy. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think if you can identify one of those three things, like, I mean, this guy's running. Because I was running from Miami. I ran to Atlanta. Yep. I was running. Or like, man, I just lost my pops, so Mm -hmm. I'm hurting. Or, man, I got a lot going on. I'm going to this meeting. I'm going to that meeting. I'm busy. And so if you just identify like one of those three things, right, and then relate a story to it. Yep. Like, man, I've been there before. Like, I, you know what I mean? I lost this person. And then flip it to, you know what I mean? But how I got through that right. was, man, the Lord walked with me. Okay. Does that make sense? Totally. So you just identify, through, through a series of five, six questions, you got to identify where I've never heard at. anybody say that. Running. Yeah. They're hurting or they're busy. I've never heard anybody say that. Yeah. It's true, though. It's true. And most people, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I get on a plane. That's the first thing. I, look, I talk to the person next to me. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, they're one of those three things. And so you like, share a story, right? I, I share a story that relates to being mm-hmm. busy. Yeah. Right? And then I share a story of, you know what I mean? Like, if it's a busy story, I'll probably share my sabbatical story. Mm-hmm. When last year I had the busiest year of my life, but I was on E at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the only way that I was able to get refueled and replenished is spending time with him. Right. And then follow up. Because in this, when, when when you're ministering in the city, you're visiting houses, you're visiting people, right? Yeah. Follow up is equally important. Yeah. So that you know, there are there are different. I'm sorry, there are you're different good. ways and different systems to do that, right? But nothing replaces just putting their number in your phone. <laughs> yeah. Right. A text. See, you 
this it comes so naturally to you. You're like, why wouldn't you just text somebody, call yeah, somebody? Like, but most people they don't there's they don't even know how to do this, dude. Well, I think you know, I think part of it is fear, right? Part right. of it is like, dang, do I want that person to have my number? Yeah. We have to get over that. Mm-hmm. It's like if we're really gonna make disciples, mm-hmm. we gotta be willing to put ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. Right? The good, the bad, uh, and it, yeah. it's gonna get messy. Yeah. And, and that calls it to in the morning. And that exactly. And that's the thing that people don't want. They right. want the clean version, mm-hmm. the fluffy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and so that's what we've done in the church. We've built a bubble, a safety bubble. Talk, talk to me about boundaries in ministry. There are boundaries. Talk. I don't know. <laughs> like, okay, let me, the reason why I ask is a lot of people are like, I need to have healthy boundaries, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to, well, right. I need to keep my family safe. I need, I can't go to dangerous things. Like I need to, you know, well, my kid, I, I grew up taking my kids everywhere. Mm-hmm. I grew up taking my kids to the homeless shelter on the streets in the neighborhoods. Like, so my kids grew up learning how to love our neighbors, learning how to serve the poor and the marginalized, learning how to. So the cool thing about that is my kids during Christmas would sometimes just ask for one thing and they'd want to go out and give away. You know what I mean? That's, right. that's not normal. But because my kids grew up seeing, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? The need of the city. Mm-hmm. They had the heart for the people. Mm-hmm. So I didn't keep my kids from. Now, at the same time, you know, in certain neighborhoods, in certain areas, you know what I mean? There is a certain element of danger. Yeah. So you got to have some sort of like, we call it street smarts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't be ignorant to certain situations. Because I have seen people come into the city and undo in one day what yep. we've took years to build. What is that? Look? With tell ignorant, me, ignorant speech. Dude, tell me something. Come on. I want to hear what happened. I mean, I, a lot of times people talk down to people. Like you guys, da, 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 da. And again, they might have the right heart, right. right motive, but they say the wrong things. Give me an example. I would say. <laughs> come on. I would I say like, yeah, using words like you guys. You guys. Or like, why do people like you always Blank. So they come in with a preconceived notion. 100%. Of like, they're different than, you know what I mean? Like, they put themselves higher up. Right. And so their language speaks down to people. Right. Instead of equal to people. Right? I would always say, like, something like, well, we, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? This is how we feel, or this is how we, and include people in. You know what I mean? Put yourself... Equal with with with. I think there's person. a few Bible verses that match up. There are with a that. bunch, just of Bible a couple. Verses. Yeah. yeah, and so th- I've seen that happen. Another thing that happens a lot of times is, and again, somebody's going to get offended by this. It's okay, but we all wear our church T-shirts. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's the orange shirts with the church logo on it. Yeah. And now there's a hundred people walking into a neighborhood with orange shirt. Like, you know what right, I mean? Right. It's like a gang. Yeah. It's like, whoa, what are these people doing? They're here to save us. And I've heard all of this. <laughs> or they'll walk in, they're doing a turkey drive. You know what I mean? They're handing out turkeys and they don't stop to ask nobody's name. Right. They don't hug nobody's neck. Right. All they're doing is, and, and guess what? All the cameras are all around them handing out turkeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But nobody, op. it's a photo op. It's nobody cares about the people. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to get to know the people. You know what I mean? So again, praise God for a turkey. We're going to cook a turkey and we're going to be hungry the next day. Dude. You know what I mean? And so so I think it's slowing down. Mm-hmm. And I always say, you know how to spell discipleship? It's T-I-M-E. Yeah. There's no replacement. Yeah. You can't throw a book at somebody. Yeah. You can't, you know, books are great. Praise God for them. Turkeys are great. Praise yeah. God for them. But you can't replace spending time with people. Right. 
And even going back to the context of racial reconciliation, I said, we're not going to reconcile nothing unless, unless you're willing to invite somebody into your home mm-hmm. and sit at your dinner table. With mm. That's where the rubber hits the road. Right. You know what I mean? And if we want to play, you know, safe Christianity and we want to continue to build bubbles, yeah. you know what I mean? We're going to continue to, you know, build our kingdoms. Right. Or, you know what I mean? We can get outside of our comfort zone, get, you know, in the trenches with people. And I'm not just talking about just in the city. Just, you know what I mean? With just people's lives. And it's messy. Mm-hmm. It's hard. There's a cost to it. Yep. You know, but that's where the Lord calls us to. Yeah. And that's where we see the most fruit. And we see lives being transformed. We see the gates of hell being pushed back. Right. We see the poor being provided for, right? We see the naked having clothes, the hungry having food, the thirsty having a drink, the prisoners having somebody visit them. Um, we did one event. Let me read. Let me read. Give it I'm to gonna, me. I'm going to tell you what. The, this is the warden of the prison. Okay. Text me. All right. I'm going to type in warden. Uh, here he is right here. Let me go back here. <laughs> this is from the warden. Of and the you prison. do a lot of stuff in prisons. We do a lot of stuff. We have a church in a prison. In fact, some people might know you. Yeah. Yeah. How Maybe. would they in, in being involved with prisons? Um. So I helped the band yeah. in 2022. Yeah. Record an album in a prison. Yeah. Down in Miami, Florida. Come on. And um, the album won a Grammy Award. Yeah, look at that. In the prison. Look at that. Humble drop. Humble drop. Album's called Kingdom. Yeah. And that and that was because you had relationship in that prison, right? Yeah, that's because we yeah, I've been doing and it's a it's there's another story behind that, but it was a guy I discipled who lived in my house. Check this out. He lived in my house for two years. Yeah. And God always brings me to (laughs) I like to call knuckleheads because I was a knucklehead, right? And I have a heart for them. This guy liked rap music or he was trying to rap, smoking weed, you know, blah, blah, blah. Moved him into my house. Radically transformed his life. Come on. Radically. He became a city taker. Got him a job at a at a youth facility, youth home. He's a he's a house parent for young people. His brother was a part of a band. His brother ends up starting this band called Maverick City Music. And I had Maverick City Music come out the Juneteenth of 2020, the big event. They were there. At the park. So they were the come ones. On. Yeah. Come on. I think it was their first public thing altogether, wow. doing doing anything public. Everything else was like YouTube and, yep. Yep. you know, solo stuff that they were doing. Yep. And so uh, they had a heart. Both of them were, their mom was in and out of prison. Neither of them knew their dads. Different dads, same mom. They had a heart to help kids who grew up like them. It, I think I know who we're talking about. You do know who we're talking about. I gave one of them a word years ago. You did. You told me about Ended that. Ended up in Atlanta. You did. And so, um, long story short, <laughs> they were like, you got to call Scott. So they called me. I started helping them do that. COVID hits. You know, it was a mess. Long story short, we end up. Dude, I literally forgot about this. Yeah. I forgot. Never mind. Listen, I want to hear this warning yeah. thing. We're so, going, so, we don't need so, to go down there. So the first I day, totally so the first day we're in the prison, yep. I got to say this. The warden, so this went all the way from the mayor's office down. Okay. We got permission from the, from no, the governor, not the mayor, the governor of the state of Florida 
You know what I mean? And long story short, the warden was mad. We get there. We're there with cameras, mm-hmm. recording equipment. Like, think about this. Yeah. This is a whole full production in a prison. Seven days. He comes up. Who's in charge? And everybody's like, points at me. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm in charge. <laughs> and I say, yes, sir. And he's like, what are y'all doing here? Right? His name was Jose. <laughs> what are y'all doing? I'm like, well, we're, you know. Writing music, worshiping together, yeah, and recording it. Is this a Christian event? I said, yes, sir, it's a Christian event. <laughs> he says, well, um, how many people are you expecting? And I said, well, how many people are in the prison? He said, there's 1,400, but the, all you're going to get is maybe 200. That's what he told me. Maybe 200, tops. We've done all the big prison events here, right? So he's, again, he's, he's, he's basing it on past experience. Right. And I said, well, that's okay. And he's like, well, you know, tell me, what's the schedule like? I said, well, we're going to worship every night or every day, and then we want to do a big event in the yard mm. on a Saturday. And that was like, a, you know, the conclusion of, and we're going to film it and record it, and we want to invite as many people. He's like, no, right. 200. Do it in here. And it was like, I had this little chapel. Yeah. Just do it in here because he didn't want to deal with it. Right. I'm like, all right, sir, we're here to, and I'm trying to be nice. We're yeah, here to serve you. Serve. This is your, you know what I mean? Like, right. we're just here. Whatever you want us to do, we'll do. So he said, fine. So the first day, it was like the prison band and the prison choir, they had a choir, and they're amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. And it was maybe 20 people. The second day, it was like 40 people. And I've seen this before because this happens to us all the time, right. right? The third day, it was like 80 people. The fifth day, the warden comes back to me. Scott, come here. He's like, hey, man. I know I told, but the word is getting out, <laughs> right? And everybody's wanting to come. Yeah. And if I keep you all in the chapel and I'm going to have to turn people away, we're, you guys are going to leave and we're going to have a problem. Right. Because they'll start flooding the cells. Right. And I'm like, flooding the cells? What does that look like? He's like, it's not good. He's like, would you guys consider doing it back in the prison yard? Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, we'll do it. And um, 1,300 men out of the 1,400 in the prison showed up on the prison yard whoa and it was like jesus was standing in the middle of the yard bro it was it was it's hard to describe you just go best. to youtube do your best to describe man here's a, here's what i'll describe a guy came up to me grabbed me and this guy i mean he'd been in prison 39 years so talk about like just a hardened right mind and heart you know what i mean but he worked out i mean this guy yeah. was like yeah you know Felt like you know, I don't know if you, I've never hugged Superman, but it was like, you know what I mean? And like, I'm like, dang, this dude is strong. Mm-hmm. He grabs me. He's like, you don't know, and he starts shaking me. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. And I'm like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, like, I don't know what. He's like, you don't know. He's like, for the first time, Scott, in 39 years, I forgot that I was in prison. And I was like, what? And the verse that came to my head is where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. freedom. Come on. And so it was the craziest feeling of freedom amongst 1,300 men who a majority of them are in there for life. What did he say, 39 years, 38 years? 39 years this man has been in there. He was like in his 50s or 60s. Mm. You know what I mean? And I'm like, and so, you know what I mean? Freedom has nothing to do with your circumstances. I learned, you know what I mean? Like, we're sitting in barbed wire fence, chains, guns, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But these men were free, free. 
You know what I mean? And then yet some places I go here and on Sundays, right, there's more people bound to prisons. Right. Sometimes in some some of our churches, you know what I mean? But these men who probably, I'm sure, committed horrible crimes, mm -hmm. but are free in the name of Jesus. And so it was this, it was this different level in my life of freedom. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm, and I'm hearing it testified through men who, you know what I mean, have been incarcerated for a long time. And so the next day the warden yeah. who tried to keep us inside the, inside the walls texts me. He's like, I just want to thank you and your team for the peace, joy, and sense of freedom you brought these men during your time here. Since the event, there's been a sense of mutual respect from both the staff and the inmate population. The morale has been at an all-time high, as I believe the guys felt as someone other than their families loved them. Thank you again. Stay safe, and please continue doing what you do. That was, I don't know, it might have been three or four days after. So, and then, and then I've got... Many more wow. texts from this guy. Wow. All right. And basically what he's saying is it shifted the culture of the prison. Incredible. That the staff is treating the men different yeah. and the men are treating the staff different. He's And then he goes on to say it's like family in here now. And I'm like, what? Like, are you telling me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's become from like, you know what I mean? E yeah, even him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and his, we're cool. Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is my friend. Yeah. And he tried to strong arm me. You know what I mean? In dude. the very beginning. But I love this dude now. I'm mm -hmm. like, yo, like, Holy Spirit showed up in the middle of a prison. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like, God used that to to send ripples through a nation and through send ripples through the church. Because something special is happening now at that prison. Come on. There's a church that has been planted, like Vu Church down in Miami planted a yeah. church in there. Um, when Pastor Mike Todd was down speaking at Vu, he yeah. went to the prison, all based on, you know what I mean, like what right. the Lord had been doing. And so the whole dynamic of this prison has turned into like a kingdom family. Come on. You know, inside this prison. So now, man, we're getting opportunities all over there. We have Department of Corrections from the state level. Can we do that here in Oklahoma? Can we do that Seriously. here? In, uh, that's here. Are you going? Can we do it? We're trying to do, <laughs> trying to do everything we can do. It's a funding thing. Well, because the prisons any, ain't if the there's prisons any funders ain't, listening. Yeah, the prisons ain't paying. How can they reach out to you? So, I mean, they can just reach out to me personally, Scott Free at CityTakers.com. Come on. Or, you know, CityTakers.com. My, uh, or my Instagram is I am Scott Free. Yeah. You can just DM me. Come on. You know what I mean? On Instagram. My brother in law went in and out of prison for like 15 years. Yeah. He, uh, and he got saved in prison ministry. Yeah, and here's a crazy thing. The dude who led me to the Lord gave his life to the Lord in prison. Yeah. On the prison floor. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Jesus yeah. visited him yes. in the prison cell. And I thought he was crazy. I'm like, yeah. dude, this dude's nuts. Yeah. Little did I know, a few minutes later, I'm having an encounter with the Lord, the same Jesus. Dude, incredible. Isn't that insane? Scott, you, you, uh, you got a story, man. My you got God a freaking it. story. Praise God. I'm sorry if I talked a lot. I literally wanted you to come here and talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and listen, this is what I've learned. Looking back at my life, it's all church. You know what I mean? So yeah. don't let people box you into church 
has to look a certain way. Yep. The Lord is using us to redefine yep. back to his definition yeah. of family. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what it's really all about. Yeah. Like, praise God for Sundays. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Praise God for Mondays. Yep. And everything in between yep. and after that. So it's just like it's all it. Yeah. And we can't, you know, I think a lot of young people in today's culture are trying to do ministry in the context of Sunday. Mm-hmm. But that's an incomplete. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's so much bigger than that. Yeah. It's so much bigger than that. 100%. You know what I mean? Go be a kingdom doctor. Go be a, you know, if you work at Walmart, you know, it shouldn't be shunned and looked down at. Be a be a light in the midst yeah. of Walmart. Yeah. Be a light in your neighborhood, in your family. Yeah. And I always say that city takers, it's more than a ministry, it's a mindset. And when you have the mindset of a city taker, like you can go anywhere. It's who you are, it's not what you do. Yeah. Right? It's who you are, not what you do. And so that's what I want to teach. That's why I wanna I want people to catch that. Yeah. Right? It's who I am. Come on. It's the Christ in me, the hope of glory. Yeah. So if people want to connect. Yeah, you. I know you listed off. We'll put we'll put all of the, the links. Yeah. In, so website citytakers dot com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instagram at citytakers. Yeah. That's the mission. The move. We call it the movement. Um. My personal is Scott Free at citytakers dot com. Is my mm-hmm. email. My Instagram. I got TikTok. I don't use it. Vaughn is gonna help me. You know, do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's I am Scott Free. I A M S U T T F R E. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, res- I, re- I try to respond to everything on Instagram. Yeah, dude, you're really good. You're really good. I try. Dude, Vaughn's, not- I think, the best looking guy that I've ever seen Vaughn, in this house. Vaughn is serious. I'm, For you know, <laughs> I need some, I need some fashion tips. I haven't told him that yet, but I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to do better. He's jacked. Fashion wise, he's, he's serious. I got, I got to marry him and his wife. Yeah. And we baptized his wife together. It's really amazing. So, and again, I got a, and, and I, and, you know, God brought him, you know, to the church and to the movement. And God's yeah, already just step on here. God, quick, yeah, man, just jump so people in can here, see bro. You. Jump in. Here. Yeah. God is already using them in a powerful way. Like they have a YouTube channel and um, just, just jump just, in. Bro. Just, just jump on in, man. They got they'll zoom it out or whatever. Yeah. Right. yeah. Here, 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 use this. Wow, guys. Yeah, jump in, bro. And so him, his Scripture. wife, Maya. Baby Genesis and baby Ezra, Ezra on Ezra. the way. Yeah, Ezra on the way. Jeremiah. And so you you guys got married out of uh, out of this out of this ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. Yep. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Do do that whole thing. Yeah, it, could, was a, it was a blessing, dude, man. You uh, got the squeaky chair. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but no, it, it was a blessing. You know, Scott is a big reason why I moved to Atlanta in the first place. Um, yeah. Just seeing the impact that he was having, I felt like it the way they were doing church was so authentic. And I grew up in the church, but it didn't look like that, you know, and it didn't feel like that. And so, you know, it was definitely something where I felt like, you know, it's like a home, it's like a family, you know, and I was seeing different colors of people. You know, I grew up in black church, you know what I'm saying? So it was either black church or it was really white church. And Mm -hmm. I'm seeing people together and I'm seeing old and young. I think it was... When, I don't even know if she was homeless or not, but I would see her walking to church every Sunday when we would go, me and my wife. Yeah. And I just thought that was amazing, like her passion for that. So, you know, it was cool. That's amazing. And you were out in L.A. first? 
Yeah, so I lived in L.A. Um, from 2016 to 18, um, pursuing music, really. So that was always my passion. And uh, went out there, man, and I was really zealous, really mm-hmm. ambitious, and got out there and mm-hmm. never felt <laughs> comfortable, never really felt uh, like I, like myself. It was just, yeah. uh, you know, it was something about it I just, I just didn't like, and um, ended up coming home, moving back to Columbus, and um, had to start from scratch. You know, I started a, a company. It was an app, yeah. but it was still slow moving, and it was tough. So I ended up moving back to Columbus, and then um, opened up a studio, and was running my studio, and really felt like that was, like, my purpose, you know, and my identity started becoming part yeah. of that. And it was however well that was doing was how my mood was that day. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot, you know, it was a lot of pressure. And then I met my wife, my now wife, and me and her were talking. And I'm still running my studio. So now as we're progressing and really talking about getting married, and this was quick, you know, we kind of knew we wanted to be married. Yeah. How quick? <laughs> he asked all the like, you know. Right, like, like, like serious. How quick? Yeah. Tell me about, what? Yeah. Um, we were talking about marriage within probably a week. Of Let's even, go. Of even. Wow, that's bad. Man knows what he wants. Yeah, it was the man deep. knows what he wants, Scott. <laughs> it was deep. I, it wasn't a week before they got married. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, but that was even how we how we met. Like, I, I mean, I she's so impressive of yeah. a person, and um, her devotion, her maturity, her story. I just felt like, and I felt like God put on my heart to want to. I felt like we were just, we would, like a great helpmate to her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I felt like I wanted to, I just this natural urge to want to protect her, which was really weird because I didn't even really know her like yeah. that yet. And you were protecting her at this point. No, she's yeah, part of well, your ministry? She yeah. had, she had, yeah, she had come several times to the church because of, because uh, I, so that's how I found you, actually. So I, I sent her to you. Oh, you sent her? I didn't know that, bro. I, so you know, sent her to the church? So Kenneth, you know, so Kenneth <laughs> Oh, Clark, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's when right. I, when I was in L.A., I met this uh, this that's dope right. artist. He was probably one of the more genuine people I met out in L.A. His yeah. name was Kenneth Shout Clark. Kenneth. He was a dope artist. Shout out to Kenneth. <laughs> Shout out to Kenneth. And, uh, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> so Kenneth had come to the church <laughs> yeah. several times. Yeah. And then I guess Kenneth told you about the church. I hit him up because I knew he was living in Atlanta. So I was like, man, what's a good church? I just feel like she needs to be a part of a church. She spends so much time at home. She's reading the Bible by herself. Yeah, She needs to be around so, like good people, you know. So where, what church do you go to? And he's like, well, you know, it's COVID, so we kind of do it from home. But you should check this out. Sent me their page. Yeah. Checked it out. Came to Atlanta. We went. And it was just like it was a vibe. I'm like, yeah, this is it, you know. So, so yeah, that's how we found you, though. Wow. Yeah. So, Scott, you're just pulling in people from all over. Yeah, and I think, could I hold this like this? You do whatever you want. I man. like, I like yeah. holding this. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so going back to, <laughs> and I'm gonna close with this. Yeah, go for it. My story growing up in Miami, when I became a Christian, you know what I mean? It's my first year in Atlanta going to churches, I'm like, why is this church all white? Why is this church all black? Why is this church all Hispanic? I didn't grow up like that. Mm. So majority of my life is a melting pot of people. Now, Miami is completely different than every other city right. for the most part. Right. You know what I mean? In right. our nation. And so I didn't know that wasn't normal. 
Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so when, you know what I mean? I, I said, hey, well, heaven ain't going to look right. segregated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I made it, you know what I mean? Like my mission to be like, just bring people together. Yeah. But it wasn't, it was intentional, but it wasn't fake. Well, I think it's, it, from it just everything flowed, you've told, it's naturally it who, you yeah. who, in, in who, it's who you are. It just flowed in who I was, are. right? So yeah. it's like, yeah, I want to see everybody together. I want to see homeless people sitting yeah. with doctors. Yeah. I want to see people walking to church. I want to yeah. see, you know what I mean, hip-hop music being played. And I want to see people encountering the living Jesus. I want to see, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, all right, Lord. like, And so the team needs to be diverse. Right. We need to use innovative ways to, you know what I mean, reach and engage people. We need to think different. We need to pray. Mm. We need to, you know what I mean? And yep. hear from the Lord. Yeah. Because the Lord is the innovator of innovators. Absolutely. And so, yeah, we, we, we're heavy in the arts. Yep. We're heavy in innovation. We're heavy in technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously, you guys are as well. And the Lord uses all of it. Yeah, he does. And he, uh, you've always had your finger on the pulse of. Christian. In fact, I met you. You don't. You, you don't yeah, remember you the first time I met you. When? You don't. You don't. I, I didn't remember it until I found out you were at the same place that I was, and I think I said hi to you. I was introduced to you. It was in Atlanta. Uh, it was at like Hillsong Church. There was some concert after church. My buddy Wait, Aaron Barkus, Aaron Barker, Red Tips, did it. Did a show there, and he was part of some. Yes, it was Rapzilla. Yeah. Oh, dang. I yeah. was there, and we met very, very dang, quickly. Dang, bro. I, I did not very, remember very, very that, Very, very, quickly. Man. Yeah. I was just I with Aaron last that. weekend. I love Aaron. Shout out to Red Tips. Shout out to Red Tips. Come on, bro. I've never said that before. Shout out to... Now you're, you're, you're a city I feel now. so... <laughs> I just feel like... What's Massachusetts? Say say Red Tips is really dope. Go ahead, Daniel. No, you're all I'm in. not doing that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, he's, he's my good friend. You know, he traveled with me. No, I know. You yeah, told me the story. Yeah, like he's I a love good him. Dude. And I and yeah, and I've spent time down in Fort Myers is where I think mm -hmm. he's from. I don't know if he's still there. I, don't know. I just know Florida. It's all a thing. Yeah. That's where we have our mission base. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was just over in uh like the east east coast of Florida. Yes. I forget the name of the place. Miami. No, it wasn't Miami. It was like <laughs> I was north of, I think I was north of Miami. I don't remember. But yeah, so that's crazy. I didn't I didn't realize we had already met. Yeah, so then we, we met, met there. again in Montana. Wyoming. Then we met in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Wyoming, and then we went to Montana, fished. Let me just tell you one thing, and then we'll end. And I know we've said that like five times. You know that dude in high school that's just better at everything, and he doesn't have to try. That's this dude. That's Scott. Okay, I'm pretty competitive. Yeah, I see him too. So yeah. He like we went skeet we shooting. You won, and I like I and I like. I hunt, I don't and I'm hunt. pretty good. I've never hunted. You beat me. I'm a, I'm a fly fisherman. You beat me. I'm, I'm not a fly fisherman. I know, and you beat me. Mm -hmm. I think we even did like a, a, a race in the pool. Did I beat you? No. I probably did. No, I'm from Miami, bro. I said, born swimming. <laughs> I won. I'll win at any. Listen. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, he's I'll, that guy. He's that guy. He just wins. <laughs> Anyway, listen, well, it's so good having you, you on. Thanks like for coming. Talk. Thank you. Thank you. I Legit. really, really, really love you. Like real talk. And this is this is family. Thank you. And I'm excited about what the Lord is doing in you. And even using this. Like I've been watching this for months. Yeah. 
And I didn't know you had it. I felt kind of mad. I'm like, dude, this guy started a podcast. He didn't tell me. I've had this for and years. Then, bro, I didn't know. And then you called me and, bro, I want you on the podcast. I was like, what? Because <laughs> I was seeing the videos going viral. Yeah. I mean, there was some. Who was on it? Stephanie. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Stephanie. Stephanie I mean, that was that, like rich. Yeah, that went everywhere. It went all over it the world. It was crazy. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. And then, so when you called me, I was like, he wants me to come on the podcast? Yeah, like what? Praise God. This whole thing is just my friends. That's all that it is. Well, and I got a lot of great friends. Thank you. Yeah, for and I really wanted friend. to have you on. Thank you, yeah. man. Yeah, and now I got another one. Come on, bro, dude. Thank you, man. Bless you guys. Thank Listen, you. Uh, thanks for watching. Uh, there'll be another one sometime. Anything Soon. else? Go to their website. Bro, go to their stuff. Guys. Do it all. Appreciate y'all, man. Go to Pray Atlanta. For us. Pray yeah. for them. And if you if if they're if y'all are ever in Atlanta, please come hang out with us. Like for real, please look us up. Come hang out with us. Come on. I've done it. It's it's incredible. You'll love it. We'll catch you guys on the next uh, Green Room. Love you guys. Green Room Podcast.